Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. For many of us, there comes a point in our life in Christ Jesus when we grow to really appreciate what we have in Christ Jesus, what he has given to us, and we grow to really appreciate the knowledge, the wisdom, and the understanding that he has shared with us. And we truly begin to experience some real change in our own personal lives as our hearts are changed because of our relationship with Christ Jesus. There generally comes a point when we really want to reach out to other people with what we have been given, that out of our appreciation for what our God has given to us or just simply our desire to really help people, we tend to have a sincere desire to want to reach out to other people with the gospel so that they also can come to know the freedom that we are experiencing, that we have experienced and that we are continuing to experience in our relationship with the Lord Jesus. When this begins to happen, we generally speak with other people about it and tell them about the burdens that are on our hearts, wanting to reach out to other people with the gospel. And when this comes up, people will normally think about it as, well, it sounds like you want to go into the ministry, that it's something that you want to do. You want to go into the ministry and maybe even do it full time and be involved as a pastor or as a teacher or as a leader of some kind to reach out to people with the gospel with hopes that they will be saved or they will experience personal growth with their relationship with the Lord. And when people think about ministry, when they're thinking about ministering to other people, that's normally what they think of. They think of an official position that somebody holds as a pastor or as a teacher or as a praise and worship leader as a Bible study leader or as a missionary, things like that. People often think about it as though it's a job of some kind, more than anything. And I suppose that's because for many people it is a job. That's what they do for a living, and they look at it as their way of contributing to the society that they're a part of. Our first exposure to this is normally within a church setting, where we go and we visit a church, and there's a pastor there, there's a minister there, there's somebody who's a leader there, And their official role is to minister to the people, and the people provide them with the means by which they are able to minister to the people. They provide them with the financing that they need in order to do that without having to go and work somewhere else. They can instead use most of their time, all of their time, in order to reach out to other people. And people will look at them as being the ones who are in the ministry, that those are the people who are officially conducting the ministry, And so our role as a parishioner or as a member of a congregation is to support them. That's what our role is in order to ensure that the ministry takes place, in order to ensure that the gospel is perpetuated in the world so that people can be saved. And so there's this initial bias that people have or that they impose on other people who have this burden on their heart to share with others that if they are going to be in the ministry, that that is what they do. That's the kind of role that they take. And in order to do this, a person will normally go and get some formal education of some kind. They'll go to a seminary, and they'll get a degree in biblical studies or in theology or something related to that. And there certainly is a lot of value in studying these things, especially because it gives you a lot of tools in order to communicate with various people 
in the world, and in a way it does ensure that you have spent some time at least studying some of the important subjects that are related to the kind of ministerial work that you intend to do. There is value there. However, it's an assumption that without doing that in many places and in many congregations, it is assumed that if you don't do that, then you're not going to be qualified to be able to minister to other people. And as time goes on, as you learn more about the scriptures and as you learn more about how to communicate with other people in a productive way, it's easy to pass judgment on people who are already in the ministry. You hear a sermon from a particular pastor and you say, my goodness, most of what that person said was just plain wrong. And you might be right. That could very well be true, that most of what the pastor said was totally wrong. Or they may have said something in one way and you feel that you could have said it much better. So it's easy to pass judgment on them and to perhaps even ridicule them on the side just because you don't like the way that they said something or the way that they did something. These are the kinds of things that tend to occur, and then it gives you even more motivation to separate from the environment that you're a part of and perhaps start another group, start another congregation, reach out to different people in different ways. There is value in making comparisons like this, but it's important to do so in a very productive manner and not to try and tear down somebody else in order to give yourself an opportunity to reach out to other people, but instead to just simply leave quietly, leave peacefully, and let people do what they feel they are called to do, and let people listen to those people if that's what they want to do. You know, in many cases, in most congregations, most of the people who are there are not really there for the reasons that you would think that they would be there for. In most cases, they're not really there because they want to know God. In most cases, they're there for a social experience or for the praise and worship service. You know, most congregations are actually evaluated by their praise and worship service and by their music ministry more than their teaching. People are often in a church in order to find new business contacts, or maybe they're looking for a spouse, or they're looking for some activities for their kids to participate in in order to give them as parents a break from their children for a little while. There are many reasons why people are often participating in the church, and so you don't want to always assume that people are going to be there for the same reasons that you might be there. But when you start reaching out to other people on your own, when you start actually doing that, it's very common to find that a lot of people are not really interested in what you have to say. You normally find that it's very time-consuming, that it does take a lot of time and a lot of work in order to try and reach out to people and this is something that does cost because you still have to make a living. You still have to take care of those who you are responsible for. There is a lot of work involved, and this work takes place in your free time. It takes place in the time that you would normally use in order to rest from your normal work that you normally do in order to survive. And so a person will normally reach out to others asking for help, asking for some financial assistance in order to buy some of their time so that they can productively reach out to other people. And it's common to have an attitude such as, well, of course you would finance me because this person is being financed and they don't really have anything to say worth hearing, but I do. And so certainly people should be willing to back me financially and help me conduct the ministry that I'm a part of. But then you find out that in most cases people don't support for those reasons. In most cases people are supporting a church mainly because it's a community center for them where it's a social gathering place for them that they want to support, they want to keep running so that they have a place to go and actively participate in other people's lives, regardless of whether they're learning anything about the Lord or not. Now, of course, every church is different. Every circumstance is different. People are different everywhere. I am only speaking in generalities 
right now that in my experience in traveling throughout the world and visiting with many, many people and many churches in my life, that in general, this is the case. There are always exceptions here and there where there are sincere people who are sincerely involved in the things that are eternal in nature and that certainly do have a lot of value. And yet there are other people that are just looking for something to do or they are there for other reasons besides wanting to really know the Lord Jesus. But when a person wants to minister to other people, these are the kinds of things that they run into. These are the barriers that we run into. We find out that not many people are really interested in listening to us. We find out that not many people are really interested in supporting us financially so that we can have the time to be able to reach out to other people. This is a challenge that people run into when they sincerely want to begin ministering to other people. And like I said, sometimes this ends up being a source of great frustration because you see other people actively involved in the ministry. You see other people who people are listening to, and you can tend to get really frustrated because you have something to say that is a lot more important than what this other person is saying. And it tends to be very frustrating for you because you really want to reach out to people, but they're just not interested. And so what happens to a lot of folks that I see go through this, they go through this kind of experience in their life, what happens is they tend to give up. They tend to just walk away and abandon active involvement with other people. And they tend to stop reaching out to people. They end up using their time for other things because they get depressed over the fact that nobody's really interested in listening to them or nobody's really interested in supporting their work that they really want to do. But I personally believe that the reason why this happens is because a person has lost focus. They have made some false assumptions. They have made the assumption that in order to be in the ministry, they have to be like somebody who is already in the ministry, that that's what they need to do. And if they're not doing that, then they're not going to be in the ministry. They're not going to be able to reach out to other people effectively. But I believe that what that really means is, is that they really want to be like somebody else. They really want to be in a position that somebody else is in that at that point it no longer becomes a matter of ministering to other people. But at this point it becomes a matter of, I cannot be like somebody else. I cannot do what somebody else is doing. I don't have the means of doing things like those other people have the means of doing things. I don't have people listening to me like they have people listening to them. That's what it becomes, and it's a very subtle transition that a person can go through when making the false assumption that the ministry is about doing what somebody else is doing. The ministry is about sharing with others about the Lord Jesus. It is about telling others about the Lord Jesus. It is about interacting with other people about the Lord Jesus. And you do not need anything. You do not need anybody in order to reach out to people, except for the people that you're going to reach out to. You do not need financial support. You don't need financial backing. You don't need to start with a congregation of several hundred people listening to you in order to reach out to one or two or five people. That is a false assumption. If you have something to say to somebody else that you believe will change their life, then you just go tell them. And if they're not interested in listening to you, then you continue on in your life looking for somebody else to share that with. If you have something to say and you're having trouble getting someone to listen to you long enough to be able to say what you really want to say, then do a recording. Do an audio recording or a video recording, and we have the technology available today that you can easily produce audio CDs or video DVDs. There are many ways of producing materials, 
And you don't need to produce a lot, just whatever is on your heart, whatever you would like to share with somebody else. And sure enough, you may not have a lot of people interested in what you are producing. I remember when I first started burning audio CDs, I had a mailing list of three people. Three people were interested in having those CDs mailed to them so that they could listen to the work that I was doing. Communicating things in written form is also very effective. I find on my website that most people who are going to my website are actually looking for something to read, not something to listen to. And yet most of the material that I have there right now is audio material, not written material. And that's mainly because Living God Ministries is an audio ministry. It is a broadcasting ministry. That's what it was structured to be, and that's what the contributions are given for. And so I do not spend a lot of time writing. I actually spend most of my time doing audio that can be broadcasted on the stations that we use in order to reach out to other people with. In other words, what I'm saying is, is that if you want to be in the ministry, if you want to be actively involved in reaching out to other people about the gospel, and if you want to teach other people about the scriptures, if this is what you want to do, then go do it. You don't need anybody to help you do it. You don't need anybody to provide you with a platform in order to do it. You can just do it. You just find one person at a time. You go out and you find one person who you think is interested in the material that you have been producing or you have been considering, and you get together with that individual and you start having a discussion about the things of the Lord. That is the ministry. And maybe someday it might turn into a Bible study of a dozen people or two dozen people, or maybe it won't. Maybe it won't ever turn into anything. Maybe you will never find yourself talking with more than one or two people at any given time. I know what that's about. I spent years of my life never having fellowship with any more than one or two or three other people who were like-minded in my faith. For years I experienced this. And as I would look back on a year, I would look back and consider that there were maybe only 10 or 12 people that I had the opportunity to tell about the Lord Jesus. And I would look at that and I would say, that was a good year, because there were at least a dozen people that I was able to reach out to at some point in some way to share something with about the living God, about the Lord Jesus. And some people responded well and other people did not. Some people took the seeds that I gave to them and they were planted within their heart and maybe someday they will grow and maybe someday they won't. But the most important thing that you need to keep in mind and you need to keep in focus is that this is the Lord's ministry and this is the Lord's message. He certainly doesn't need you. He doesn't need me. He doesn't need anybody. He is using you. He is using me. He is using those who he can But it really is the Lord's ministry. It really is the Lord's message. And the time that you have available to you can be used very effectively to reach out to whoever you can reach out to. And the quantity of people is not the means by which we measure success or failure. We do not measure success or failure. That is not what we do. We just simply live our lives sharing with others what the Lord has shared with us. That is what being in the ministry is about. I believe that this is well illustrated by the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 17. When he first went to Athens, for example, it says in Acts chapter 17, beginning in verse 16, that now while Paul was waiting for them at Athens, referring to Silas and Timothy, his spirit was being provoked within him as he was observing the city full of idols. 
So he was reasoning in the synagogue with the Jews and the God-fearing Gentiles, and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be present. What did Paul do? Well, he went to the synagogues. He went to a place where people were already wanting to dialogue about the things of the scriptures, about the things of the living God, and he dialogued with them. He didn't go and give them some great sermon. He didn't monologue over them. He dialogued with them. He reasoned with them. He spoke with them. He asked them questions. He answered questions. He made comments about various things. He would listen to people probably just as much or even more so than how much he would speak to people. Listening to people is very important in order to be effective in reaching out to them. And he went to the marketplace. He went to where people were at, and he just simply engaged in conversations with people with the time that he had at his disposal. There were times when he would have to be preoccupied with working. There were times when he would have to do other things. He's not going to spend all of his time 100% of his waking moments in his life telling other people about the Lord Jesus. He was doing other things, but with the time that he had available and with the people that he had available, he reached out to them. He ministered to them. He didn't wait for somebody to give him a platform. He didn't wait for somebody to give him resources. He didn't wait for anything. He just went out and did it. And so likewise, if we have a burden on our heart to reach out to people, then we should just go do it. There is nothing that can stop you from going out and reaching out to other people. Continuing in Acts chapter 17, verse 18, it says, And also some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers were conversing with him. Some were saying, What would this idle babbler wish to say? Others, he seems to be a proclaimer of strange deities, because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him to the Areopagus, saying, May we know what this new teaching is, which you are proclaiming, for you are bringing some strange things to our ears, so we want to know what these things mean. So eventually, in Athens, Paul was brought before the Areopagus and given a platform, given an opportunity to speak to people. But this was a very unique moment in his ministry. Prior to this, he only spoke with people on a small scale, individuals one-on-one, or a handful of people, maybe a dozen at a time. But now, finally... During his second missionary journey, he has an opportunity to speak to a large number of people. This is a very unusual moment in the ministry of the Apostle Paul. And he doesn't take up a collection after he's finished. He just simply takes advantage of the opportunity, reaches out to other people with some very powerful truths. And some people believed, and other people didn't. But the most important thing to see here is that some people actually believed. That is the objective. The objective is not to find some way for us to build a ministry. The objective is not for us to find some way to build a church. And the objective is not to try to find some way to sustain these organizations that we may build or these churches that we may assemble. The important thing is that people hear the word of the Lord and they believe in the Lord and they trust in the Lord and they live their lives receiving and depending what the Lord has for them to enjoy a relationship with Him, and to grow in a knowledge of who He is. That's the objective. The objective is not to try to find some way to hold a position. The objective is not to try to find some way to only do the ministry full-time. The objective is not to try to find a platform that you can speak from where other people are listening to you. That is not the objective. The objective is to get people to listen to the Lord Jesus, 
to listen to the Holy Spirit, to live in dependency on Him. That is the objective. Do not lose sight of that, that if you are going to minister to other people, it's not about what you do, it's about what the Lord does. And what I mean by that is it is about a personal relationship that that individual will grow to have with the Lord, not with you, but with the Lord Jesus. When we lose sight of that, if we lose sight of that, then we will easily set ourselves up for failure and disappointment, because that is not what the Lord is doing. These other things go outside of the boundaries of the ministry of the gospel. Now, I'm not saying that to say that we can never have a church, we can never have a ministerial organization or anything like that. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, is that if you want to be in the ministry, you do not need these things in order to be effective in being in the ministry. And perhaps one of these organizational structures will be built through what you do. But maybe they won't, and they don't have to be. That's not what is important. If you think that this is what is important, then as far as I'm concerned, you have no business being in the ministry at all. You might as well use your time doing something else, because that is not what the Lord Jesus has called us to. He has called us to himself. That's what we are called to. We are not called to go out and start organizations and churches. We are called to him. And we tell other people about him, reaching out to them with the gospel, telling them that the Lord is calling out to them, calling out to them to come unto him, to go to him, to be at peace and rest in a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus. Continuing in Acts chapter 17, verse 21, it says, Now all the Athenians and the strangers visiting there used to spend their time in nothing other than telling or hearing something new. This is an illustration of a group of people who do not have peace in their heart, who do not have any rest in their souls because they are continually looking for something new. Why would they be so preoccupied with looking for something new? Well, it's probably because what they have found, what they have been hearing, what they have been discussing previously was not enough in order to satisfy the deepest longings of their heart. But instead, people are so consumed with just new knowledge, new information, new wisdom, a new experience perhaps in some way, that through these things they were hoping that they would experience some peace and rest, but they were not experiencing any peace and rest, and so they had to continually live for the next thing, for the next wisdom, for the next knowledge, for the next teacher, for the next philosophical perspective. Many people live that way. People live that way even in the church, because there are many people who do not know The Lord Jesus, they do not know the gospel, and they do not know what they have in Christ Jesus, and yet they are prominent members in a church. I know this because there are many churches that I've been to, and I've asked people, what is your understanding of the gospel, or how would you describe the gospel, or how would you describe what you have in Christ Jesus, and how has that really had an effect on your life? These are questions that I have asked, and people generally have no answer to these questions at all, or the answers that they do come up with are relatively weak answers, considering the fullness of what we have in Christ Jesus. And so what do people do? Well, they live for the next CD, or they live for the next book, or they live for the next teacher, or the next conference, or the next Christian concert. They live for whatever may come along next, hoping that one day they will encounter something that will finally give them peace and rest in their soul. And yet they may never experience that peace and rest in their soul that they hear about, that they know is somewhere out there, they may never experience it. They're constantly looking for something else 
because they have not come to a complete knowledge of the truth. They don't really believe in what Christ Jesus has actually done for them. They don't know or they don't believe in what they have in Christ Jesus. Or they may know, they may believe, however it's everything else that they believe on top of that that contradicts those fundamental truths that would actually set them free if they were to believe in those fundamental truths that the Lord Jesus has revealed. It's not just a matter of knowing the truth. It's also a matter of putting out those things that are not true because trying to harmonize the two leads people to bondage. It really does. There are many ministers, there are many pastors who listen to my radio broadcast. A lot of people listen to my radio programs. I know you're out there. I hear rumors all the time. I listen to your radio broadcasts. I listen to your sermons on occasion. And I can tell the influence that I'm having on many pastors, many people who are listening to this program. They know that there's something to the message that I am sharing, and they know that there is freedom and there is liberty, and they know that there is change in the message that I'm communicating. But you're never going to experience it, because the problem is not what I am teaching. The problem is the additional things that you are believing that contradict the very things that I am teaching. And at one point in your life, you're going to be confronted with this. And when this happens, you're going to have to really choose. And those of you who are pastors, who are listening to these programs, you're going to have to choose. And you know what the risk is. You know exactly what the risk is. The risk is is that if you start teaching what I am teaching, the vast majority of the people in your congregation are going to leave. And then what are you going to do? Well, you're going to do what you should do, which is probably what you are doing right now, but you're going to have to do it in a different way. You're going to have to reach out to people on a smaller scale in order to stay in the ministry, because the ministry is not a job. It's not about having a position. It's not about having a platform. It's not about having a building. It is about reaching out to individual people, about the truth of the scriptures, about the truth of the Lord Jesus, about that which will set a person free. And this freedom that he has called us to is a freedom such that we will no longer be preoccupied with what is the next and the latest and greatest thing that may come along. Because the peace and rest that we truly experience in our own heart is the peace of God. You have been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 38353, Colorado Springs, Colorado. 80937 or use the donation link on our website livinggodministries.net that is livinggodministries.net Thank you,